You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Brewers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Larson. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at our show handle, at Locked On Brewers, or my personal Twitter handle, at Cheesehead Talks. Cheesehead Talks with an S, so come interact, follow, and we'll have a conversation on Twitter. Always look forward to it. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Brewers is the spot to find the show and yours truly on the big Facebook website. The the Facebook, as it used to be called. Wasn't it called The Facebook? I don't know. I watched that movie. I think that's where it started. Like So there's your daily history lesson on Facebook. Anyway, uh, on today's show, we have Sully from uh, from Locked On MLB, the big, the big kahuna uh, baseball show on Locked On Podcast Network. So Sully will join us. Uh, interesting conversation. Sully talked to us about the uh, All-Star Game the festivities, his impression, and also all the the old farts, so to speak, <laughs> I'll just say that, who've been writing articles over the last couple of years about baseball and how it's it's not as fun anymore and they don't like launch angle and strikeouts and home runs and you know the lack of bunting and getting guys on base and all that stuff. I'm not totally discounting it, but they, they seem to say the game is is fading. And I've been hearing this my entire life. And so I wanted to get Sully's take on just as he looks at the broad uh, spectrum of Major League Baseball. Is that true? You know, is baseball really fading in popularity? Is it is it dying, as it were? Uh, so we talked to him about that. And it's a continual debate that's always going on. So I wanted to get his take on that. Uh, tomorrow on the show, I'm efforting Ben Kaspik of Lockdown Giants to talk about the San Francisco Giants and uh, their team coming into Miller Park and the Brewers. A little added intrigue, not only with the Giants, who, by the way, had a pretty decent month of June, including a series win against Milwaukee, but... Uh, there's a couple of pieces on the Giants that the Brewers might be interested in, Will Smith and Madison Bumgarner. So I wanted to get his take on kind of what the rumor mill is around San Francisco and what the Giants might be asking for those guys. So we'll talk about that uh, on tomorrow's show. And and hopefully, if it's not Ben Kaspik, it's some other Giants person that I'll grab and uh, talk about it on tomorrow's show. Back to baseball tomorrow night, finally, right? Seems like forever since the Brewers have played a game. Uh, if your company wants to reach an upscale male audience, then your company's ads should be running right here on this podcast. To get your company connected with this audience, email lockedonbrewers at gmail.com or email locked at lockedonpodcasts.com to get more details about increasing your business. All right, so we'll get to Sully in just a minute here, but I wanted to just kind of address the the main Brewers news yesterday or the main rumored Brewers news yesterday, and that is that they've been talking to the Mets about Noah Syndergaard, nicknamed Thor. Wouldn't that be awesome in Milwaukee? Uh, Noah Syndergaard, who is not having a good year, uh, certainly by his standards. 
uh, his ERA up over well over four, and you know having some issues uh, trying to get back to his typical form uh, for this year. As ERA is at four point eight six, I believe is what I saw uh, when I looked it up here. So four point six eight had the numbers mixed up. Four point six eight. He is six and four. He's made seventeen starts, uh, thrown one hundred and five innings. So that's fine, but not nearly what he was. Three oh three last year. Two nine seven in twenty seventeen and. 2-6 in 2016 uh, for the Mets. So, you know, he's, he's of course, had good years. And the key with Syndergaard is he's got a couple of years of club control left after this year. Uh, he's under club control through 2021. So the Mets will be asking a hefty price. That's what the rumors are saying. And he's one of those guys, Matthew Boyd, maybe uh, Marcus Stroman up in, in Toronto. Those are the, the big starting pitchers rumored. Uh, for the trade deadline here and the Brewers certainly looking first to see if they can land one of those guys at you know their price I'm sure David Stearns is thinking and has his price what he's willing to give up and it'll most likely be drawn out sometimes these deals get done early the most famous in Brewer history of that example is CC Sabathia who was a rental but you know was in the Brewers paid what at the time was a high price for him and yet at the same time uh, were able to land him for two starts before the All-Star game, and they were key. He was the absolute key from a pitching standpoint that allowed the Brewers to get to the playoffs in 2008. So well-remembered by Brewer fans as a trade that was worth it to get the club over that devastating hump. They had not made the playoffs in 30 years or whatever it was <laughs> in 2008, and CC Sabathia was able to help get them there. So always remembered fondly by Brewer fans, that trade, even though it was a rental. Now, is a rental worth it this year? Maybe. You know, I'm I'm pretty dead set against it, uh, especially if it's going to be, you know, costing them Mauricio Dubon or, or somebody along those lines in, in the minor league system, one of their top prospects. No, I, I do not want the Brewers to give up a top prospect in order to land a rental. I just don't, I don't see it. Uh, this year. I'm not in that camp. So when you talk about Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler of the Mets, among those rumored, uh, even Will Smith, they're all rentals, you know, the closer for the Giants. They're all rentals, and I just don't want to see the Brewers trade a top prospect. Now, a mid-level prospect? Yeah. I mean, I can see that. You know, I can see the Brewers doing that to be able to land one of these guys and make a run at this thing. Even though they're a mediocre team right now, even though a lot has gone wrong in the first half, there is certainly bounce-back potential for a lot of the players on the roster right now for the Brewers, and supplementing that with even a rental starter, I would be in support of, again, so long as the price isn't one of your you know, top 10 prospects. So there's the game you play, the dance you have with other teams. You know, Wheeler is is very attractive from the Mets, from the standpoint that he's only being paid $6 million this year, so the Brewers only have to be on the hook for, what, a third of that? And then, you know, we'd see what would happen with Zach Wheeler. Wheeler's not having the best of seasons. You know, his ERA still up over four. So these are things you have to consider. Does it change the scenery, help a guy snap back into his typical form? Zach Wheeler's career ERA is, is more right around the uh, upper threes. And so, you know, that would that'd be fine. You know, for the Brewers, it could plug in um, at 3.88 in five years. So, you know, that, that would be something that's serviceable. A guy the Brewers could plug in a veteran arm that, you know, could could help them. That sort of thing. Madison Bumgarner, of course, of the Giants, has, has been talked about for a couple of years now with the Brewers. 
but what's the price? You know, that's common sense, right? This is all we're talking about. So that stuff's going to unfold. It was the topic of conversation a lot yesterday and will continue to be, obviously, through the rest of the month. We've got 20 days left until the trade deadline. And so that'll be all the uh, all the, the talk, really, in, in Brewer Nation, along with how they're doing. You know, if they can, can come out of the gates hot, that, that talk, I think, only increases uh, for the Brewers here as they try to make a move to try and, and create some space and win the division here in 2019. So we'll get to more of that tomorrow. And also, what has to go right for the Brewers to win the division? What realistically, you know, take a, a real shot at this realistically, what has to fall into place for the Brewers to be division winners here in 2019? So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. And like I mentioned, try and effort a Giants person to talk about the San Francisco Giants coming to Miller Park for a three-game weekend series. So that's coming up. But next, we'll talk with Sully of Lockdown MLB. You're locked on Brewers. Remember when you're driving to work or from work or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Brewers, and we'll be right there with you for the drive. You can hear him just like you hear me every day on Locked on the Locked on Podcast Network. Instead of Locked on Brewers, it's Locked on MLB. Sully from Locked on MLB joins us here on Locked on Brewers. Sully, pleasure to have you, and uh, thanks for making time. I, I wanted to just start with your impressions. We just finished, of course, the the two-day uh, festivities with the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby and all that stuff in Cleveland. What was your takeaway? How would you think the uh, event went for Major League Baseball? I, I think the Major League Baseball does a great job. Uh, it's a celebration of baseball, so h- how bad can it be? Uh, I thought the – I actually dug some of the, the All-Star hats. Some of the All-Star hats were pretty rad. Yeah. Uh, I thought the, the Mets and the Twins and the A's should just wear those hats. I think those are pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, I think it's – I love seeing Cleveland when it's packed. I've been to it when it was called Jacobs Field back in 1995 when they won the pennant. I went to a game there, and it, it was it's electric when that place is, is packed. And, you know, it's it's always – it's a celebration of the game. And I got – I get – I had a little uh, bottom lip quiver when I saw Carlos Carrasco. Yeah. Uh, especially learning about what's happened with him. It's a little anticlimactic when the big person they they wheel out to throw out the first pitch is someone who's still active in Sabathia. It's like right. it was it was Ted Williams at Fenway Park in 1999. I believe it was Stan Musial one year. You know they they it's more exciting when it's someone you know Hank Aaron. But you know but that's nitpicking. You know I thought the game was fine, but the game to me the most uh, memorable part is always when they all line up and they tip their caps. That's my favorite part of the huh. All-Star game because you get to see everybody. I don't care if they get in the game or not. I don't know why there's such a sense of urgency to have it be, okay, you pitch. Okay, now you pitch. Okay, you got to pinch it. I don't care. You know, it doesn't um, – I don't care that Bookie Betts came in as a defensive replacement. I just like it when they all line up and it's it's, it's the pageantry of it. Yeah. And it, I think it's a lot of fun. It, it is. And it's a, you know, obviously a tradition that's been – you kind of grew up with and you watched uh, as, a, as a kid and, and some of those things continue into today's game. And, of course, they add some of the stuff too with uh, with yeah. the interviews during the game with the players and things like that. I uh, yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. I thought they were fun. In fact, uh, here's, a, here's a rule I would change in baseball, which is – if you bring in a position player to pitch, you're essentially waving the white flag, right? Yeah. The the position player pitching has to be mic'd, and the yeah. the broadcasters can talk to him <laughs> because 
at that point, you're. I, I think you should have the right, if you're going to bring a position player to pitch, I think you have the right to say, we're done. Yeah. Uncle. Uncle. But instead, we have to play all 27 outs because you never know. They could go on a 15-run rally. And so we go through this charade. I think you should have the option to say, I'm done. But if you bring in, have fun with it. You know, like, all right, we have uh, Austin Romine is pitching. Of course, he did that in the in the playoffs last year against Boston. But Austin Romine's pitching. What do you think, huh? You're pitching. What are you going to throw him now? You know, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I'm going to throw him to have some, And you have to have someone funny do it. Right. You know, you can't, it can't be. You know, some of the people were really great. Francisco Lindor was fantastic right. when the, when yeah. he was Mike. He was the yeah, best. He was giving, he yeah. was giving uh, restaurant recommendations <laughs> in Cleveland. It was badass. No, you know, Michael was. Brantley. Michael Brantley was a bit of uh, you know, yes. <laughs> it, it is fun being in Cleveland again. Yeah. <laughs> it pleases me to be in Cleveland, where I enjoyed many years as a member of the Cleveland American League baseball team. Yes, you know, it's like okay, and then it's the. Got to bring some material next time, but yeah. that, that, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I think it was. Uh, I it was it was a good show. It was a good show. I don't know if your listeners know uh, what I've been preaching on the Lockdown MLB podcast. I, I believe the season should start with the All Star Game. I think it should be. That's how we should start the year, because okay. the All Star Game penalizes people who have great second halves. Yeah, you know, and you should. It, the voting should be all off season where you get to debate and that's the great introduction to the season. All the stars are back. They're all back here. There here's Mike Trout. Here's Francisco Lindor. Here's Mookie Betts. There's a few people who are automatic bids. If you're the MVP, if you're the Cy Young word, and that's how you start the season with every, everyone's back. All the players you want to see are back and everything, because right now, it's not as special in the beginning of the year, you know, in the middle of the year. We've seen these players all year, and we can use our MLB app or whatever it is to watch any player when we want. So the novelty of seeing these matchups isn't as strong, but the novelty of starting, they're all back. Every team's represented. I can't wait. There's a great sense of the year moving forward. And I, I think it would be you would reward players who have great second halves. Remember Jake Arrieta a few years ago won the Cy Young Award? basically torpedoed the Pittsburgh Pirates season, yeah. and he didn't make the All-Star team yeah. because he had a good first half, but he was dominant the second half. Well, yeah. You and, and, I, you and I have as many All-Star appearances as Kirk Gibson. <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? And Tim, and Tim Sam. Kirk Gibson won the MVP. Now, you could argue he probably shouldn't have won the MVP that year, but he should have made the All-Star team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Not too hard. And also, like last year, Christian Yelich wasn't even in the MVP conversation uh, at the All-Star. Right. Now, he did hit a home run in the All-Star game as a reserve, but look at the second right. half he had. A long way to go yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. So, and a lot of things. And there, and, and, and conversely, every year there's a player who is like, uh, the example I always use is Tyler Green, who was a pitcher for Philadelphia back in the 90s, who had a decent first half, got elected to the All-Star game, finished the season with an ERA over five and was out of baseball in, a, in 18 <laughs> months. And he gets to put All-Star next to his name <laughs> because he had a good April and May. And Tim Salmon never made an All-Star team, despite having a wonderful career where he had a, and, and a world championship and everything like that. Uh, it's. I think it's a good way to start the season with an exciting bit of pageantry celebrating baseball, and I think it it mixes it up because the All Star Game as it is now is perfectly designed for baseball in 1932. Yeah. But it's a very different world right now. 
and a very different media world right now. And I think that it's if you want to get attention, have that be the have that be the fun gala opening. And I think that would be it'd be fun. At least give it a try. See how it is. If it doesn't work, we'll shove it back to the middle. Yeah, no, why not? We're talking with Sully, of course, from uh, Locked On MLB. You can hear the podcast daily, every day, just like this one. So I wanted to ask you about a lot of the talk in the game these days. And I don't know if you've addressed this on your podcast or not, Sully, but a lot of these uh, guys are writing articles, some of the, the established baseball writers, about how the game is changing and, and they don't like it with the home runs and the strikeouts and all that stuff. What's your take on that? Do you think baseball is is doing okay these days or do you think uh, it's a problem the way analytics and, and you know uh, launch angle have changed the game? Every single era, they talk about how baseball is dying. In the 50s, they talk about baseball is dying. In the 60s, they talk about it's dying. In the 70s, they say it's not the same. In the 80s, they say, oh, it's so terrible. In the 90s, it's a joke. So, I mean, this is a bit of an evergreen conversation there's it's, there's a template you just fill in this the year and you fill in the names but it's always the same story because everyone wants the baseball that they grew up with yeah and so i i'm a child of the 80s and the 90s and so i look most fondly back at that time because that's when i fell in love with the game and so naturally i'm going to gravitate towards that era and i to people who are 10 years older than me gravitate towards the late 60s and the 70s. People who are younger than me are going to be looking fondly at the 90s So, I mean, and, and the 2000s. So uh, there are things baseball can do and needs to do. They have to embrace the Internet a lot better than they do. They have to uh, restrict all blackout rules, have to go out the window, yeah. please. Uh, and they have to – every time that baseball has embraced a new medium, they've always been reluctant to do it. And then when they do, they realize, oh, my God, we've found a whole new audience, whether it's been radio, whether it's been television, whether it's been cable television, and now the Internet uh, and social media, they have to embrace it the way they have, because every time they have, the popularity of the game skyrockets because they find a new audience. And I, I think they have to be a little less precious. I think the game itself is really good. I think the quality of the game is really good. Uh, I think that there's some things that I can – probably point to in terms of like there are people who don't like for example defensive shifts they think that that takes away from some of the fun it's it's always more fun to see a base hit get through than ground ball to second okay i understand then if you want to make a rule saying okay you have to have two infielders on this side and two infielders on that side i would have no problem if they did a rule like that mm -hmm. i don't personally mind defensive shift lay down a bunt find a way to beat the shift yeah but uh I, you know, I think they're tremendously exciting players. I mean, we mentioned Lindor, we mentioned uh, we mentioned Yelich. Obviously, there's Trout. Obviously, there's uh, Bellinger with Los Angeles. Obviously, Mookie Betts and the wonderful year he had last year. Aaron Judge is you know Lurch from the Adams family is playing for the <laughs> Yankees and is and is incredibly. I'm a lifelong Yankee hater, yeah. but he's incredibly easy to root for guy. Uh, and and some phenomenal pitchers are out there too. So I mean, it's the game is always going to be different than the previous generation, and that's always going to make the previous generation mad. And there's always going to be grumpy men, and there's always going to be people who say, oh, "In my day, things were different." You know, I, there's a there's a radio interview with Lou Gehrig, and in it he was talking about how the players today are more pampered. They don't have to work as hard as we do. We're much more pampered. He's talking about the players in 1939. Yeah. He's talking about Bob Feller. He's talking about Joe DiMaggio. He's talking about Ted Williams. 
these are the people he's calling pampered <laughs> and not working as hard for it as he did because you want to think you worked harder. Yeah. And you know, yeah. hearing Goose Gossage, who for many people is the poster child for everything wrong with baseball, he's now the grumpy old man saying, in my day. Or Dennis Eckersley calling someone out for being exuberant on the mound. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's Adam Lambert calling someone out for being flamboyant. You know, I mean, you are the poster child for pointing at a player and pumping the fist. And yes, sometimes prematurely, when he got a big, huge strikeout in the 1992 ALCS against Toronto, he got out of the eighth inning. I forget who it was. I'm, I'll just say Devon White because when all else fails, I'll say Devon White. <laughs> yeah. But he got a big strikeout and did the whole point and fist pump. And the next inning led up the Robbie Alomar home run, which basically turned the tide of the whole American League Championship Series. Yeah. And now Dennis Eckersley, who I love, by the way. I love Dennis Eckersley. But come on, Eck. Yeah. Please. Yeah, it's, it's so, generational. Yeah. It's, you know. it's There's always going to be grumpy old men. People are going to be the old man and up no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and and I just sit back. If, if I didn't love baseball, do you think I'd do a five- day a week podcast on the topic <laughs> right no i'm obviously in the same boat and i, I completely agree with you uh, it's been great sully i appreciate the time thanks so much and uh we'll, oh, we'll absolutely, do it again man yeah oh this is this is fun man and and listen to the show or at lockdown mlb yeah and uh yeah and if you want to follow me on twitter uh i'm at sully baseball or just follow the show and uh, we have fun and as we do all those yeah you and bet. i don't know if you i don't know if you realize it but it's uh, your team every day. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. No, that's great. And uh, I will, I'll definitely retweet some of your stuff because it's, it's good. You have an active Twitter feed. So appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. Sully. Kirby. And remember, Sully and I sort of did a quid pro quo today. I don't know if that's the right use of that uh, phrase, but I wanted to say quid pro quo. Uh, I went on his show, <laughs> so I am a guest talking about the Brewers on Locked On MLB today. So subscribe to Locked On MLB and hear me be interviewed by Sully talking about the Brewers. Uh, that's today on that podcast, so go check it out. Uh, and you can find Sully again on his Twitter handle, as he mentioned, at Sully Baseball. His real name is full name Paul Francis Sullivan. Paul Francis Sullivan. Uh, so go check out his Twitter at Sully Baseball. So great to have him on. All right, tomorrow we'll talk Giants. Deeper dive on what has to change also in the second half for the Brewers to win the division. What realistically can we look at pieces that can turn around for the Brewers to really have a much better unofficial second half of the season and uh, and play better baseball and create some space and win the division. So we'll talk about that tomorrow as we get set for the weekend series and baseball to resume against the Giants. You can always find me on Twitter at Cheesehead Talks with an S at Cheesehead Talks, my personal handle. Also at Locked on Brewers is the show handle. And uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Brewers. Please go check out the podcast on any major platform. Rate and review. It helps us out a lot if you want to help spread the word, not only on the podcast platform, but also among your friends and relatives and coworkers and acquaintances on the street. And put a sign on your car, whatever it is. Uh, tell people about Lockdown Brewers because... Not everyone, in fact, barely anyone, knows about this podcast yet. We're very young, we're very early, and we want to spread the word so people can get their daily Brewers fix. Very important. It's, it's much needed. So please spread the word. 
and tell a friend and all the other people in your life about Lockdown Brewers. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya Podcast app as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Brewers. I'm Ben Larson. Talk to you tomorrow when we deliver your daily Brewers fix right here on Lockdown Brewers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah.